This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. And I am Janine Pirro, <laughs> who I, uh, I believe is on today. Am I right, Christian? Well, she uh, is on a... Leaving on a jet plane today. She uh, will oh. be with us on Monday. She uh, decided she wanted to fly the friendly skies instead of talk on the friendly phones to you. All my briefs are packed, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> I'm standing here outside your chamber. Hate to wake you up. Judge John Roberts to say goodbye. <laughs> But the taxi's waiting, the Uber driver's waiting, he's blowing his horn. I looked down, he's got facial tats and a horn. I don't know whether I want to get in that car. So kiss me and pray for me. Hope he doesn't take me to Joe Wamba's onion field. I wish life was like it was around 22 years ago. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I got COVID on my window pane. Oh, babe, I hate to die at a baggage carousel from <laughs> an amplified flu. For what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so Janine's not on. Who's on? No, we'll uh, talk a little later to uh, Molly Hemingway. We had her on the old radio show a few times. Oh, I admire Molly Hemingway. I, I, I wonder if she's related to Ernest. And, and she was on a plane last night. Don't tell me. Don't tell me because I'm going to ask her. <laughs> Where was she flying back from? I don't know. Donut lady. Well, maybe her and Janine are like, uh, who is it? James Garner and somebody <laughs> else in, in that film for the fight for Nabisco or uh, Barbarians at the Gate. Disney, Nabisco, I can't remember where they're, they're both <laughs> yes, on. Barbarian. The fight for Nabisco is a very different film. <laughs> but they're both on uh, Learjets or, or Challengers or uh, flying next to each other on their exercycles, looking out the window as they talk to try to close a deal. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, Barbarians at the Gate, yeah. James Garner plays somebody who's an arbitrageur, and I can't remember who the other guy is, but they're trying to close a deal. I thought it was about, it's called Barbarians at the Gate. I thought it was either about Disney or Domisco, which are both in the uh, shortbread business. And um, it, 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 it is the fall of RJR Nabisco. It's just not, it's yeah. just not called that. Uh, Barbarians at the Gate, I thought. Yes. Or maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right. What is Barbarians at the Gate? Somewhere on that sticks in my head. Well, that is that is the film. It's about Nabisco. What the fuck? How did I get tied in a knot by my own guy here? I'm trying to roll on a story. Obviously, you jump on a logic grenade. Next thing I know, I got my right foot up through my ass and tied around my neck. Pretzel logic, steely dead. Which one is welcome. Dead? And Jonathan Price is the other guy in the film. Oh, that's right. And there's a great scene where they're both on their jets and they're flying next to each other uh which is a little weird um but you know it's a movie and uh they're both on exercise bicycles looking out the window on cell phones talking to each other as they fly alongside each other from coast to coast literally 
very definition of flyover country. And they're trying to negotiate a deal as they exercise on their planes, just to show, hey, the bourgeois need to be fit too. And by the way, that reminds me, I think that was an HBO film or TNT film. It was not a theatrical release, I don't believe. And sometimes there are little gems that you miss when they come out on what now is the prevalent platform. I'd say streaming is a bit, much bigger than theaters. But uh, especially since, you know, it's uh, the Andromeda strain is upon us. Christ, how silly is this? I guess this is forever. You're going to see some people forever in... Uh, that's when you know you're dealing with a liberal when you go to a funeral, it's an open casket, and they're still wearing the fucking mask after they croak. <laughs> but there's a, there's a movie called RKO 281, I believe, which oh, is yes. the script number for Citizen Kane. Oh, Christian, this is where you jump in and fuck the story. You mean the man who... You mean RKO 387, you mean Patrick Dennis? Kane for the Blackhawks? You, and, you're uh, actually thinking of Turk 182. <laughs> it's a very different movie. Oh, I've heard this is about Big Daddy Kane, right? And no, can let me get the fucking story out before you come in. And uh, Christian's like the, uh, you know, MacGuffin in a T-shirt. Uh, he takes it away from the the main drift of this story. Is it? It's the first time I saw young Liev Schreiber. And by the way, that'll show you how tight the uh, flowchart was in the Kennedy compound that you could be the head of the Peace Corps and only rise up the level of sergeant there, you know, because obviously the memory of Joe Sr. was the uh, four-star general. The memory of Joe Jr. was the uh, the uh, three-star general. The memory of Rose, who received, let's, no, let's euphemize it and call it many, 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 many purple hearts for <laughs> getting winged in duty. <laughs> by Joe, Joe literally attending movie premieres in Hollywood. And this is definitely before uh, Instagram or uh, who's the guy, Levin, you know, with his... Uh, his Harvey uh, Levin. Yeah, all sitting around the, uh, you know, the Algonquin Square table talking about people's peccadilloes and indiscretions and that. But Joe used to attend movie premieres with Gloria Swanson on his arm, his mistress. And Rose would uh, have to just sit back there and take it. And that's how, and somehow, in that whole Northeast power corridor where, you know, the Jock Whitney's of the world and everybody just run wild, you accrue strong woman status by biting your tongue as your old man capriciously bites the tongues of others. And uh, that's, uh, that's that. Okay, I got to two things I didn't want to get to today. I'm checking off my, <laughs> I call it a bucket with a hole in it list. <laughs> Molly, what time is she coming in to save me? She'll be on in uh, 15 minutes. What do you want to do? I guess, what's the big story? Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, dies. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I see that uh, they're already saying he's announcing Saturday. And uh, that'll only give him 37 days, and that's undoable. But I notice a lot of these things are doable in 42 to 43 days. And you think, well, so he's now going to pay for his, uh, he has no win. They're going to get him any way they want to go. So what, by waiting five or six days to announce it out of deference to her memory, they're now going to say it's too brief a time window. 
Listen, you know, the country goes one way or the other, and you got to think about whether you want to live in it after. I'm not going to do that goofy thing. I'm out, and then they come back, and you look like an idiot, and if you're not on the left, they don't, you know, you don't get covered for, and they let it fall away. If you're on the right, they'd beat you over the head with that cudgel forever. But I think a lot of people, uh, one way or the other, are going to move out of the country, and should, because I know if it goes a certain way, if you don't think about it, you're... uh, you're nuts. And, uh, you know, it seems like a cosmic joke to me that Biden is being pushed forward like this. And literally, a, a Python sketch. That's what this is to me. I can't believe this is the coin flip they've gone with. And I do agree with Trump when he said they're going to give him a big-ass shot of Adderall before the debate. And he might leak through it. And I have a contention that he could literally come out on that the debate stage, sit down, and start flinging his scat at the audience, and he'd get 47% of the Democratic vote. So it's the margins where this one will be won, and uh, that's why I've gone down to a single-ply toilet paper when I talk about American politics as opposed to a double-ply. been into a hotel before the thing. Had you been into a hotel and seen the... uh, (laughs) Jesus God, it's like it, it was uh, it was like something they shot Joan Collins through in season four of <laughs> Dynasty. <laughs> oh, Chris Jericho's got his thirtieth anniversary coming up in October. I just recorded a message for him. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, he he wrote right back. He's a fun guy. I just said here, here's what he said. Yeah, I was just reading about the walls of Jericho. And even eventually they fell. Something about guys running around the perimeter of the building with ram's horns, seven days later, dust. But you, steel, or no, I didn't say steel, but you, still not suffering the effects of any sort of erosion on the outside. Still a veritable fortress. And a smart, funny, deft one. Still stand, Chris Jericho. Happy 30th. And he wrote back and said, uh, thanks. It's only the 15th person who went with the walls in Jericho. Thing. <laughs> so thank you very much. I remember I had a friend. I won't say his name. He's probably an adult now. And this is how crazy is. Uh, he was an, I was a sophomore in high school. And he was a freshman in high school. It was very funny. Very funny kid. Stoner. Early stoner, though. You know, and a cool kid. Smart kid. And like I said, I'd like to say his name, but he's probably an attorney now somewhere in Pittsburgh, and I don't want to get him. But um, I remember once we were playing softball, and somebody hit the highest fly ball to center I've ever seen. And he was playing center, and he waved both guys off really demonstratively. Got it? Got it? You know, with both hands out to the side. Let the ball come down, pulled back his glove, and let it hit him in the forehead, just for the laugh. (laughs) Knocked out completely we we couldn't get to him we were all like just collapsed it's it's like uh it's like pussy galore's flying circus going over fort knox with ostensibly they've got the uh sleep gas and people were just crumbling that's what happened to everybody in the infield and the two outfield positions that weren't center just crumbled in hysterics and then we looked at and he wasn't still down we went out he was out one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But he also did a uh, uh, playing off the thing where I just said, I can't remember the joke before that. I played it off in some way. It reminded me of the rhythms of his joke where 
we had to record films uh, even then uh, the uh, um, incessant altruism had crept into the culture where every waking moment had to be about the other and nobody was tending to their own business and thus things were starting to fall through the crack because everybody had embraced the other to the tune of go hey yeah that's nice you forgot to put pants on oh right he did a thing about uh, he hired a friend of his to appear in a short film he did about food funds for overseas and we're all watching them and um brother Mike's class and the lights are down and we're all sobbing or fake sobbing because you had to get the grade Catholic high school and for a year then I got out but um, he uh, well that doesn't make sense what, what am I remembering here I was gone in my sophomore year and he was a freshman so I had to see this in my freshman year and I don't quite know how I would because I think he was a year behind me I know his brother was in my class, so maybe he made it and gave it to his brother. I won't say his brother's name, too, because he might be an attorney, and I don't want to ruin his life. But anyway, or maybe I... Uh, what's that? All right, sorry. My stenographer, Brian Williams, just came and told me to bail on the story. I don't think you know either of these guys. <laughs> no, I don't even know who you are. No, I did see this short <laughs> snippet he did. In class, so I don't know how it happens, but it's a kid posing as like the last emperor, you know, like that little bald kid who would sure. you know, store a turd in a bowl and some <laughs> powers girl had to come in with a Yule Brenner knot on the side of his bald head and give it a whiff to see if the guy was uh, had good gut, uh, what do they call it, gut flora. Thank you. Imagine that you go in for a, uh, a job as a dog walker. And they say, we don't have anything in that today. Uh, I got something. I know it's not for everybody. <laughs> what is it? Well, you got to fly to China, go into that fucking city they've closed down. There'll be a little kid there. Occasionally he'll, uh, you know, shit in a bowl and you've got to whiff it. And, um, is there dental? Yeah. There's, okay, I'm in. Of course there's dental. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. Not savages. <laughs> <laughs> and how sheepish are you the first day that you are you are you loath to say i think this shit smells different or wrong or do you just like roll with it and go christ i'm so mortified that i'm oh. sniffing this kid's shit for a living and he's got little cat's eye marble shits and i'm bent over a bowl i'm just gonna let this move along he's a kid even if it gets really bad what could it be it's not like he's got distemper or he's gonna die you know yeah. he's just got something bad that day spilkus so i'm just not gonna raise my hand and go excuse me i don't know who, <laughs> who i go up to on the ladder but this little shit pellet is i don't think this is right <laughs> And the guy says, no, of course not. Shit, it smells. No, I don't mean in that way. It smells every day bad. It's shit. <laughs> but I'm saying there's a nutrient missing. You just roll with that job. And you find out the dental plan is a 500 yen deductible or whatever that is. Although I think a yen at that point was trading out that they actually had to give you money on the exchange rate. But what I'm saying is this. Um, what was I talking What are you saying? <laughs> No, how did I sit on the bald kid? Well, you were talking about the like the last emperor, so the kid in class looked like the last emperor, but uh, I don't oh, think yeah. he was actually taking a shit in a bowl. And he looks up in the film, and he's uh, he's got a bowl of rice, and he in a pigeon uh, Confucius talk, folks. I'm uh, 
are you allowed to do this, Christian, or do I just do it straight and tell them to imagine it, put it through their own baffle chamber? Because if I say it, it ends up everywhere, right? If you graduate from the school of Quack Brothers, you do it in the uh, blandest, whitest voice you have, and then people can infer what it sounded like. No, nah, I can't do that. I don't have the shadings you do. I always said oh. you made uh, Rich Little look like uh, <laughs> a bell ringer had got hit in the head with a clanker and become president. Um, but... Um, Rich Little, that was so a guy. Who imagine shit in a bowl me saying this great. in some. Hey, fucker, I'm trying to pay off a joke here. What? <laughs> this is so trying. Fuck, are you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have to finish it, but I'm not going to do this thing again where we do the Ram's Head on the headache commercial and you b- knock me back from my joke. Christian? Sammy? Dennis, get Sammy. <laughs> Feeling <laughs> Sammy, the kid's going up in smoke. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. <laughs> the kid looks up at it and he says in a uh, faux uh, Asian voice, which I'm not going to do because it's from ages ago and I don't want to pay the piper on this. He says, Thank you, American, uh, for the food you've given me. And then he takes the bowl of rice and flips it on his little bald skull-capped head and says, uh, yeah, for Christ's sake, I haven't had rice in like 40 minutes, so thank you for that. It's a pretty funny joke for way back when. <laughs> Same kid who got hit in the head with softball. I think he did this bit before he got hit in the head with a softball, but um, it reminds me of what I was just doing earlier, and I can't even remember. I've forgotten that twice now. Can you imagine? <laughs> Imagine, imagine paying so little attention to your utterances that you've now blanked on what set you up for that twice in a minute and a half. It was the Chris Jericho uh, message which led to this story. Oh, yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. email about the walls yeah, of Jericho. Thank you, 14 times. It's all that rave off. <laughs> you just turned into <laughs> Carvey's impression of you. Yeah, that's all Carvey did with me. <laughs> he stayed a postulate <laughs> and then go, <laughs> Morse Miller, he would call it. <laughs> I'd say, what what does that afford you in the way of time saving a week? And he's like, around ten minutes. I'd have to write a couple lines, and I don't have time for it. I'm in fifteen things this week, fuck that. So all I'm going to do is go bap 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 bap. I said, all right, got to call Carby today. God, he makes me laugh. Um, is anybody see Molly uh, Hemingway like Omar Sharif approaching the well? Molly will be here in a minute, but we have a minute. I think this is a great time to play a voicemail. Someone calling about you and Carvey. That's voicemail number two, RJ and Raleigh. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I use a hand mic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting back in my chair in full recline. I've got my feet up on my desk. Sure. I've got the headphones on. Uh, just when you were talking there, I decided I needed to put the mic down for a second and scratch my nose. I put it down under my right breast and it held there. There's a little give, there's a little, (laughs) am I too fat that I literally. No, no boss, you're good. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. Uh, Is it bad when you begin to have pectorals that the French men pronounce the ideal size for a woman's breast? Champagne glass. No, it's literally. I've got a little overhang here. Look, I just pulled it up a little. I'm looking, and I see Tom Cruise from MI1, the original. I was then MI2, where he's repelling. It's the first one. Under, uh, 
All right. Don't get Christian uh, pissed off about a hey. a movie series. Huh? Don't mess around with Brian De Palma movies, all right? Christ almighty. Christian, you'll be talking and praising his kids. That's a beautiful picture. You'll say something wrong. Chris Pine, 6 one fuckhead. <laughs> He's very handsome. <laughs> well, we can save that voicemail for another time because Molly Hemingway is now with us. Ah, beautiful. Well, I'm a big fan. Molly, how are you? I'm great. It's wonderful to be here with you. Christ, you're smart. Uh, I watch you every time I can. I always think, now here's somebody who knows where it's at. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's funny to me. I'm already reading articles, Molly, that people are saying 37 days is now. It would be unprecedented to do it. I'm thinking, except I see a lot of ones that were done in the low 40s, and the man is given six days of deference. If he didn't do that, they'd be on him for that. He's, he's, he could have done it uh, you know, and made the announcement, but he didn't out of deference to Justice Ginsburg. He really has no win on this, does he? So he might as well go ahead and do it. Well, it does seem that no matter what he does, he would face criticism. But the facts are that there are many confirmations that happened in fewer than, you know, 45 days or so. Justice Ginsburg herself, I think, was confirmed in just over 40 days. Mm-hmm. And she was confirmed with, you know, nearly unanimously, even though she was a far left activist yeah. when she was nominated. So it seems like there's, there's one set of rules for Democratic nominees, an entirely different set of rules for Republicans sometimes. You know, what, what would I tell you if I, I don't even know if I'm disheartened. I think I'm being pragmatic. I think they're non-adherence to the rules. I remember the night Trump won, I looked at my wife and I, honest to God, I remember saying, you know, they've won by losing. And she's like, oh, what are you, you're always looking for layering. I said, I'm telling you, every previous precedent, every adherence to protocols, every unstated etiquette between statesmen is just flushed. They're going to do everything they can every day to get rid of this guy. And what would I, what would you say? This, this is the thing that scares me. I think they're going to do it. I, I think Trump might be the last mail station before the thing hits out, you know, hits the iceberg. But I, I do think that their just refusal to play by the rules in any way is going to win them the day. Your thoughts? I honestly don't know what's going to happen in the election. I also, one thing that worries me is that I'm not sure there's a complete, uh, the relationship that you would hope there would be between who actually wins and who gets to be the president in the next four years. I worry that if you're willing to do everything that was done in the last four years, which, as you note, was all about just refusing to accept the election results, whether that's not showing up for the inauguration, whether that's running like a pretty obvious coup attempt to to get rid mm-hmm. of him through uh, you know, the Justice Department and other means, what what's left to do? I mean, I, I worry that they can justify literally anything here for how to keep him from having a second term. I don't want to prejudge that. And I I don't want to, you know, I hope that everybody would behave responsibly, but they haven't given a lot of reason to think that they will uphold norms in the months to come. Oh, no. She's already said Hillary, uh, you know, boss tweet is already, boss tweed pantsuit has already said that under no no circumstances should Biden, um, I forget what it's called when you call and acknowledge your loss, but... uh, that's really frightening. <laughs> that's like that's like Hunter one oh one for God's sakes. I, as I look at the him announcing this uh, uh, Friday, and I look at the the Rust Belt up there. Obviously, there's some Catholic uh, population up there. I think Amy 
Comey or Coney, I don't even know her name, is uh, Barrett is going to be the one. And I guarantee you right now they're going through their Blasey Ford foul and finding out who's the woman who's going to say, as, I, as a young woman, I got pregnant and Amy counseled me that I should get it aborted. I, I could just see this coming. You wrote about the Kavanaugh situation in the, the great book, Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh confirmation in the future of the Supreme Court, talking about Molly Hemingway here. And I've never seen anything like that. that, that that's something that would have made Torquemada blush. You know they're going to go after this woman to destroy her. There is absolutely no doubt. And they've, they've also said this. I mean, you had people just in recent days saying, <laughs> everything is on the table for what we're willing to do. And you're thinking, well, wasn't everything on the table for the Kavanaugh confirmation? Like, how can you do more than what they did during the Kavanaugh confirmation? I think we don't know precisely what their approach will be. But even Kavanaugh wasn't the first person that they did these character smears with, whether it was Bork or Justice Thomas. Uh, so it'll, it'll definitely happen, whether it's Amy Coney Barrett or one of the other qualified female um, shortlisters there. But I don't quite know what they'll do. It seems unlikely that they will accuse her of serial gang rape, like they accused Brett Kavanaugh of being the secret leader of a gang rape cartel that was roaming the streets of suburban Maryland. I don't think they're going to do that, but they're going to do something. Um, well, I'm, I'm telling you, I meant that shot. I think they're going to find some girl to come up and say, as a young woman, I got pregnant and Amy counseled me to have an abortion. What? How you, that's her coin of the realm. I really believe that. Here's why I don't think they would do that because they would like her more if she had done that. <laughs> You're right. I, I, I buried the lead. You're right. That's why I like Molly Hemingway. I was so busy in the meta terms. I missed the fibrous sinew of the whole premise. Uh, we're talking to Molly Hemingway from Fox, you know, or Justice on Trow. The Kavanaugh confirmation in the future of the Supreme Court says she knows of what she speaks here. Whether you're an athlete, weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem, well, non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect such as menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns eh, about an hour or so. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFree CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures in order to numb and reduce pain or inflammation. Professional athletes such as PGA Pro Cal Stanley use this type of cryotherapy on a regular basis. The best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw in your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an Arctic Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code MILLER to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's O-M-A-X-Health.com and enter code MILLER 
to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything else site-wide. So if you're looking to relieve your muscle and joint pain within 15 minutes and need a natural yet powerful solution that is tested and works, try cryo-freeze pain relief roll-on. This quick-absorbing, scientifically-backed formula provides pain relief instantly. And if pro athletes use it, well, come on, it must work. It's their living Remember, go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code MILLER to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's omaxhealth.com. Enter code MILLER to get 20% off cryo-freeze anything else site-wide. And don't let muscle soreness continue to be an excuse for living an inactive lifestyle. Go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief faster. I'm trying to think. I, I, I look at McConnell, and I'm wondering, why would he do even this vague caveat that he can't guarantee a vote before the election. Would you think they would look at internal polls and say, well, if it doesn't serve us, we won't do it before? Is that what's going on there? I absolutely think that's what he wants to do. He wants to make sure that they can get to a vote before election day. But if for some reason they don't think it serves their political interests, they will hold it until after. And this is one issue where I think Normally, that would be such a huge risk and gamble to hold it until after the election day, because what if President Trump loses? Mm -hmm. What if they lose the Senate? In this case, thanks to Hillary Clinton and others, we know we're going to be in this protracted like month-long election season after election day. So nobody's mm -hmm. going to even know who won various, uh, various races. So it seems that the downside to holding the vote till after the election day is much less than it would be if they were voting as they should be you know, on one day and knowing the results that evening. Tell me what you know about uh, Florida Supreme Court Judge Barbara Lagoa. Am I mispronouncing that? Lagoa? Barbara Lagoa was appointed to the Florida Supreme Court by Ron DeSantis, and he had, mm -hmm. he had, uh, speaks incredibly highly of her. She has more of a corporate litigator background, which Amy Coney Barrett is known for her judicial reasoning and writings. There's a reason why conservatives really like her. They know how she thinks, and they they also have a few more years of experience of her on the federal bench, so they know how she would rule. But I've heard really good things about Barbara Lagoa as well. And to get on President Trump's list requires some pretty serious vetting. They don't want to put people on there that they wouldn't be comfortable with having on the Supreme Court. So everybody meets a pretty good standard. So now it's just kind of picking who you like better or not. There's not as much of a track record, although a lot of people note that she was on the legal team for the family of Elian Gonzalez when they tried mm -hmm. to keep him in the United States. So shows some instincts toward things that, that a lot of conservatives like, but not quite as much of a track record as Amy Coney Barrett from her days at Notre Dame Law School and uh, her, her judicial record. I think Saturday at five o'clock, to be honest, I think you can say we know if this vote will take place before or after November 3rd, because if it's Amy Conan Barrett, I think it'll happen after. If it's Barbara Lagoa, I think it'll happen before because uh, the Hispanic vote would be in play there. So I, I think we'll kind of know when this, uh, it, what would happen in the lame duck session or what would happen during Trump's triumphant re-entrance into Rome, <laughs> or will it happen because uh, if it's Lagoa, I think they're just saying, all right, we need a little buttressing in the Hispanic community and we're going to go with her. So I think uh, it'll give us some tip. Actually, I have, 
I have a question about that. Do you think people actually care about that? Like I always hear people say, we need to pick this person because they're from this region or they, they match this demographic. But do you know normal people who even care about that? Like I've never heard someone say, I like well, There haven't been a lot of Hispanics rise up all that high. And do I think that there's some, in a margin election, do I think there's some small yeah. percentage of the people around the country who wouldn't like to see a Hispanic woman bullied right before they vote? Right. Yeah. In, in the Florida, a Floridian. Yeah, it's an impulse buy. It's the last thing yeah. you see before the register. If on September or November 2nd, you see an idiot like Kamala Harris wading into an honest arbiter of the the law and talking about the what the problem with her is, yeah. Do I think there's probably 10,000 to 15,000 to 100,000 people around the country who might go, hey, fuck that. And uh, yeah, I do. But I, I I agree with you, not by and large. I think people, listen, healthy people tune all this shit out because it's a complete <laughs> nightmare right now. How brutal. I loved what uh, Lindsey Graham said because in the past, I think he said things about voting in election year, and he said, guess what? You, they, that's all scrapped after the Kavanaugh thing. That got as rough as it could. They would have pushed him like Lewinsky to suicide if they could have, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I want to clarify. It's such a, it's pedantic, but two years ago, Mitch McConnell said they're not going to vote because you don't confirm someone when the Senate is held by a different party than the presidency. You can disagree with that, but it was a different issue than this year when both the Senate and the presidency are held by the same party. Although I realize that's very nuanced and, and nobody yeah, no, really cares about it. I will make that qualified thing. But I absolutely think that the proper response to what happened with Kavanaugh is that you no longer get to pretend like people are operating in good faith on these things. Like, that was mm -hmm. really ridiculous and horrible what the country had to go through and what this poor man um, faced. They really tried to destroy his life and his family and his reputation. And it took a lot of work to resist that. So after you go through something like that and all of the you know, unfair antics that were deployed for that, why would you in any way negotiate with people on when to confirm or whether you have the right to do it? So I think Graham and other people were really radicalized by the treatment of Kavanaugh. Like before they thought, oh, they don't like Donald Trump and Donald Trump is kind of icky, so, so it's okay that they treat him horribly. But when they saw someone like Kavanaugh being treated the mm -hmm. same way, it was, you realize, oh, it's not about Trump. It's about these other people and how what they think is okay. And folks, keep in mind, as Molly said earlier in the interview, the astounding fact that Ruth Gator Ginsburg, who might as well have rode into the hearings with a Che t-shirt on, with 97 to 3 approval. It was a simpler time of yore when people said, well, he's the president. He gets to pick it. I guess we'll go along unless she comes in. And she, uh, you know, full bore, you know, walks in with Trotsky and Lenin at her side. So, but 97.3, that boggles the mind. And it'll show you how they have uh, brought down the curve line way, way, way fast over the interim 30 years. Uh, by the way, Trump winding them up the other day, Molly, just made me laugh when he's talking about the 38-year-old uh, woman who's in the bronze medal spot. I forget her name. And he's saying, at 38? Well, people served into their 80s. She could be on <laughs> I said, this guy is an exquisite wind-up artist, Trump. He loves to get their go, and he invariably does. It is amazing trolling. But it is also true that when they put the list together, and they started putting the list together in 2016, and they've updated it three times, they do check for age. They want people who can get in there and stay on there for a very long time. And so youth is not the problem it, it might have been in the past. 
Yeah, well, I got an embryo with a mortar board from the learning <laughs> annex that we might want to put up if we can get 80 years out of them. You can follow Molly on Twitter at MZ Hemingway. By the way, are you, are, are you a Hemingway? My husband is distantly related. Because I, I, I go up to catch him a lot. And I must admit, yeah. upon occasion, he's my favorite novelist. So I do go over there and... Uh, <laughs> no, it's not so weird. If I did talk with Hemingway from beyond, I'd have to use simple, abrupt, declarative sentences. <laughs> but I just drive by and think it's so funny. My favorite novelist lives down at the end of my street, not permanently in a grave. But uh, it's your hubby who's in there. I love envisioning a conversation between you two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know what I'd first ask him, I'd ask him, was your marriage to your first wife over the moment she met you in Gestad and said she'd lost the only copy of what then was the sun also rises in a train station? That absolutely boggles my mind. You know, when it's people hard say hard to get over that. Hard to Molly, can you imagine if you if you didn't have a if, if your thing crashed in this week's column? I've written jokes that have crashed out, and I've thought a joke and I'm obsessed. <laughs> Honey, I left the novel in Stockholm or Luxembourg. It's crazy. Anyway, that's that's what I'd ask him. And he'd say, well, yeah, of course. Why do you think I ended up doing what I did? It drove me crazy. Molly Hemingway with us. And uh, the book is Justice on Trial, The Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. But I would encourage you anytime... Um, you uh, hear that she's on at the beginning of the show. They always say Molly Hemingway. They put the lower third insert. Insert. She always makes the most sense. She does it in a convivial manner, and uh, I always uh, appreciate seeing you, Molly. You're knocking the hell out of the ball over there. Thank you so much. That's way too kind, but I appreciate it. All right, kid. How's life? You good? You happy? Great. Everything's good. All right. Well, I just got a thing from Trump. I'm on deep background with him, and he's nominating you this Saturday. So get ready. <laughs> My life, I will literally get assassinated. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, Molly. Take care. Bye. <laughs> uh, you know, that's what's coming with Amy Coleman Barrett. I, uh, I, I, I put my arm around Amy, and I put my inner breast. She didn't immediately pull off. I thought this woman's going to be up for Supreme Court someday. I went that day, and I said, if Han Solo has any extra space in a carpet, I'd like to freeze this paw because I'm coming back to haunt that woman. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I didn't do the actual Asian voice earlier here when I did the joke, right? No, you did not. Okay. <laughs> I made sure to uh, jump I, on that grenade. That's the modern equivalent of, did I turn the iron off for an OCD person? <laughs> yeah, I guess circle back. Did I do the Asian voice? 55 times I've used borax on my hands. You can see my bones sticking out at the end. Oh, the tiny bones. I know. Lindsay said <laughs> Christ, I've, I've hit him with five small hand jokes in the last month. Should I back off Should that? He does sign the check at some point. <laughs> Go ahead. I get it. Ooh, that's a wishbone. I wish they were bigger. <laughs> I'm gonna, Christian, I'm putting this uh, microphone under my left breast now to make sure that I have a, uh, that, you know, my breasts are too supple in uh, direct proportion. I feel like Sharon Tate following her mother's admonition to. Yeah, we're going to have to go ahead and isolate this clip for HR. Taking a sip of water. Hey, wait a second. This isn't water.
<laughs> All right, what do we do now? You, didn't you have, I heard, honest to God, I've heard rumors. When did I first hear rumors of a voicemail? Uh, when uh, somebody told me Abe Vigoda had died 30 years ago. Yeah. Fish. He died like, he, no, Abe Vigoda died like one year ago. He was in the Masons with Jack Sue. <laughs> but yes, we have voicemail number two. RJ and Raleigh wants to talk about you and the carver. Oh, my legs just went dead. Have you ever put your legs up on a desk that, that's above you and then you realize, Christ, I'm Ironside. I, I can't. I, Mark, <laughs> get me out to Candlestick Park. There's a murder in the bleachers. Raymond Burr, you know all Raymond Burr said. They said, well, we can make him in a wheelchair or not. And Burr said, uh, put him in a wheelchair. Can I be under a blankie in my undies? And they said, yeah. He said, good. Fuck that. I, I, I can get in at 6.30 in the morning instead of getting in at 6.15 and putting pants on. Now, let me ask you this, Chris. <laughs> I can't believe I even thought of asking you that on a live feed. Go ahead, play these voice. Yeah, Jesus, I decided not Christian, to tag I'm just your telling you, forget that. voicemail number two. Forget RJ career ender. That was self-immolation, what would have happened there. Spontaneous <laughs> human combustion. Dennis and Dana Carvey was just gold as always. I should just try mm. and do those as often as you can both stand to do it. There's always some new story, something else funny going on. Uh, so it's so great to hear. I was actually in the proper demographic for Blue Thunder when it originally aired, which is to say a, a 12 or 13-year-old boy. <laughs> and I remember Dana's line read for, I'm jamming, I'm jamming. And you could tell he didn't know what to do with it. Uh, the line didn't make sense. It didn't flow. It was just a, you know bad in the script. I uh, don't know if Blue Thunder ever made it to surround sound Blu-ray with director's commentary, but if it could be found, could be funny to listen to that. Of course, I was also then in the proper demographic when you were both on Saturday Night Live, age 16 or 17, and my first thought was, what is Jaffo doing in a dress talking about body parts and gorged and tingling? Thank you. Good night. There's the qualified nature of fandom. I think a big fan of Dana, right? Sure, absolutely. Finding fault with a line reading 30 years ago? Well, show that he, was on for four weeks? Well, Dana did say that he had a problem with uh, getting that oh, line. Oh, he did. So, so he's referring he, back to Dana's comment. Yeah. You're assuming that I listened to Dana when he's off? No. It's just like I don't listen to you when I'm on. Whereas I get off the phone and then talk to Dana. Yes. Because Dana is the easiest guest uh, in, in showbiz, quite frankly. He and Marty... You know, and and Marty sometimes I'm so deferential because he's always my comedy god when I was growing up. He's a little old, really. I'm always a little too polite with but Dana. It's my best friend, probably. As guys who are incapable of intimacy have best friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're besties. <laughs> at arm's length. Besties at arm's length. Um, but uh, he literally is. Hey, Dana. Boom! The hour's up. <laughs> and in between, people call and go, it's the best show ever. All I do once in a while is they turn the mic up and I go... Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just hilarious. Um, so I'm going to call him today. I miss him now and see what he's up to. And I'll, I know what he'll say to me as soon as he picks up the phone. Before we say anything, each whoever calls the other one, the other one picks the phone up and says, I thought you said it was going to get easier. <laughs> <laughs> Every phone call we have, that'll be the first. Yeah, I thought you said it was going to get easier. Alrighty, so 
What's our timeline? What are we? What are we doing? We, I've we, got a uh, lunch today to with it. my friends. I have a friend named Nipper. I'm having lunch with. Mm, no jokes I can do with that. So uh, I'll just instead say that uh, we have a celebrity. When I said Nipper, I said, "What's Christian processing right now?" And uh, I, I thought he said, uh, "Yeah, what are you? What are you going to sit there with his two little teeth and eat some fucking bib lettuce? What Thumper <laughs> couldn't make it today? What the fuck, Nipper? No, I had." Uh, I had three roads well, I could Lindsay, have taken, did you and just, all of them uh, ended ha- like James hack up Dean. a hairball. What was that sound? Is she okay? <laughs> I, was I know her laugh, water. and I just heard blue, yeah. blue. It was it was like uh, somebody said to Phil's caveman lawyer character, uh, "What is your favorite suit? Black, brown, or any blue?" <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's yeah, go for any. Let's go for a celebrity voicemail. Voicemail number five. Boy, you didn't want Lindsay in there. You know you're my best friend, Christian. I love this Lindsay. Connery. We go. F- you bossed it. Oh, no. I was developing a vaccine for COVID-19, and I was listening to your podcast, and I laughed so hard, I dropped the test tube onto the floor, shattering it in any hopes of saving humanity. Do you understand, Miller? <laughs> Damn it, man. I found a cure for the plague of the 21st century, and now I've lost it. Haven't you ever lost anything, Miller? Your car keys, your valet receipt. Well, it's rather like that. So <laughs> thanks for nothing. Actual um, Connery film. Forget what it's called. He's living up with the tree people and he finds a cure for cancer and loses it. I know what you're saying. Outland. And I'm saying no. Outlandish. What are we going to do to wrap this up? Well, before we go, before we wind down this episode, I would like to uh, give a little public service announcement for Uh, fans of you that they'll be able to uh, see you joining me on Blackcast episode number 400 Thursday, which for our listeners is today at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. You can find the link for that at my Twitter, Christian DMZ, and perhaps I might ask Mr. Miller to retweet it as well. Well, you can retweet it for me, can't you? Don't you have well, access yeah. to that? You yeah, of course. It. I'm just pretending. You can't that, do that uh, stuff. I, don't, I pretend. I, at one I point, I that. made Christian a tweeter because <laughs> uh, it's all too complicated for me. So um, you do it and say it's me, but it's really you. Yeah, of course. But don't tell anybody that. No, no, no one will know. Now, see, I'm. I hope I'll still be there, but I have written instructions to Carolyn if I am to be. You know, I've seen Biden. I don't like the way Jill's handling it. I wanted to set up some sort of power of attorney where I was put into some sort of asylum. And she said, well, what should I look for to know that you've gone? I said, if I agree to do Christian's podcast, you'll know that I've well, completely flinging my own scat. Okay. It's put me in somewhere. It's the first time in four years that I've asked you. I thought that a monumental oh, number like 400. Christ, do you need serious about it? No, not at all. I, 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 folks, I didn't really say if I... Christian gets no, so I emotional, but I haven't asked in four years. It's way four. I, I, I get you like Ed McMahon coming back drunk from the zoo. You don't know, I Johnny. Go down I've there. been I, there. I, I, I've I been saw there. the ocelot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do a little guy. <laughs> Nothing makes me laugh harder than when Carson looks at settle, settle down. Yeah, I know you. I know you know Joan Embry. And uh, Carson just laughs and he sits back. He goes, You think you're fooling anybody here? 
<laughs> but he's all emotionally loaded. You can tell he's had a two martini, three martini latch. He's really fucked up. And Carson gets it. And you can see they don't see each other before the show. And he realizes how blasted he is. And uh, Carson looks at Ed and this lays me out every time. He's like, um, would you, you want me to bring an army cot out of here? <laughs> <laughs> an army cot. It's so brilliant. Oh, the, it's that knowing. What makes you laugh harder than seeing inside stuff between two guys who are symbiotic with each other? That that just way, folks. You you'll find that it's a rough feed, but uh, Ed drunk talking about the San Diego Zoo with Johnny at their panel segment one night. It's about the funniest five minute thing I've ever seen in my life. All right, we got to rock later. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>